before I speak tonight, um, you know, we're here to have a lot of fun. We're here to eat a lot of good food. We're here to make friends and reacquaint ourselves with people that we met last year or that we know from other churches that we don't get to see very often. I know I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time with some of the men outside uh, every night talking and in between times. But we're also here to listen to what God says from his word. This is very serious. It doesn't have to be sad, but it does have to be very serious. We don't have to get all clenched up about it, but we really do need to be in the moment and get all that we can. And so to that end, I want to ask one of the most genuine men that I've ever met in my life, and everybody that has met him says the very same thing, and I want to ask him to come up and pray for us so that each and every one of us, before this week is out, that God will answer his prayer and all our prayers, that God would really speak to us. And so, uh, Bill, would you please come up and pray for us before I begin? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this time that we can come together. We thank you for the parents that uh, allow their children to be here. Lord, we pray for the speakers, Pastor Wayne, Pastor Lawrence. Lord, they uh, teach us. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be uh, open to what you would have us to do. And Lord, uh, be with these young people, Lord, as they are having to take hold of the faith and make it their own and stand upon it and nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This week, I'm going to talk to you about three things. And so if you are taking notes or just want to keep track, and the three things are these. Covenant story, and kingdom. This is how it plays out. Family in our church calls me, and they are having trouble with their daughter. She has been, for years, an amazing girl and an amazing young woman as she has grown up in the church. But they have recently taken her out of, a, um, of an activity that was in another town. It was a sports activity. And they took her out of that. And they were experiencing a rebellion that they had never seen before manifest in her life. Now, I'm going to tell you, this young woman, compared to most of us, uh, would outrun us as far as service to the Lord and service to the family and, and just an example, just amazing. But she was in rebellion. So they called me and can you help with this? So I went and talked to her. And what had happened is she had become so much of the community, part of the community, in this sports activity that she was involved in, that she began to talk like they talked, and think like they thought, and speak like they speak. 
It was ugly. It was damaging. It was distressing the whole family. And her younger siblings began to talk like she talked and think like she thinks and speak like she speaks because she was bringing all this new stuff into their family. So it wasn't just her. It was young siblings using the F word in their Christian home. Bizarre. And the way they were objectifying women and the way they were talking about people, it was nowhere near loving your neighbor as yourself. So I was, I was kind of shocked. And so what happened here? What happened to this stellar young Christian woman? Well, I want to answer the question of what happened to her by asking a question. And here's the question. What does covenant mean? Can I walk in front of these speakers? I mean, will I like disintegrate or is there a force field? Okay. So, what does covenant mean? Anyone but you ordained guys. It's a pact. What else is it? What does it mean? Yes. A what? Okay. Oath? Is that what you said between people? Okay. Yes, Thomas? Promise? Okay. The question is, what does it mean to be in covenant? What does covenant mean? And by the way, you're all right so far. No wrong answers yet. Yes, ma'am? That you keep promises? That is keeping covenant, isn't it? Right. Yes? Yes, sir? All right, I'm teaching tonight. You're doing well. Very well. What does it mean? It means that you belong. It means that you have an identity. It means that you are not your own, right? You are bought with a... Right. It means that you are no longer left to yourself, that you have been brought into a different people group. And that people group has been called out of the world and into God's presence and to live and to walk and to think and to speak in God's presence. <laughs> How many of you have been baptized? How many believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, you're in covenant. And that means that is who you are. 
what happened to this young woman was that she forgot who she was. She was so into these friends and into these activities that she had found a new church, though it didn't have a steeple. It was a gym, right? She found a new communion. She had adopted a new language. She had traded the way you're supposed to think and act for a different way of thinking and acting. And she was doing this the whole time, going to a very good church, like your very good church. Now I think, I think that there's something going on that we're missing as adults. I'm talking about older adults with bad knees and stuff like that. You're all adults too. Most of you getting right there, adults. But here's what I think we might be missing. That you aren't going to your church. You're going to your parents' church. You're not going to your church activities. You're going to your parents' church activities. I don't think you might actually not be going to your, your church Bible studies. You're going to your parents' church Bible studies. They take you. If there's any leadership positions, of course, they fill those positions. If there's any questions generally, I know there's exceptions, but if there's any questions that are asked or any comments or criticisms or critiques made in meetings or in Bible studies, it generally comes from mom or dad. And you, most of the time, do what you have thought that you should always do. Sit up straight. Don't punch your brother or sister. Pay attention. Be quiet. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid as a pastor that you have become passive and we have helped you become passive. Now how many of you think that your parents quite often talk to you like this, like you're down there, like this. Yeah? One honest soul. I didn't ask for a show of hands because I'm not going to get you in trouble because some of your parents are here. And the parents that aren't here, uh, the parents that are here know your parents. And so they'll go, do you know what your kid did at camp? Did they burn down the building? Oh, no, they didn't do that. They outed you. Dang, if they had just burned down the building. But they, your parents, you know, you, you're like you're like this big and you look, you're naked and you're gooey when you're born. And none of you are cute. Everyone lies. Oh, what a cute baby. It's all a lie. <laughs> and you have, you have to have all this attention. And on my part, you would think the mom would do all that. And even if she does, you, as a dad, you still have to hear about it all. And you have to be fed and clothed. And, you, and then after a while, you start, you start walking. We're trying to get you to talk and trying to get you to walk. And when you finally are walking and finally talking, we're trying to get you to be still and to shut up. <laughs> right? Am I right? 
and we're talking to you down here because that's where you are. You're down there. And then after a while, you get about here, and we're still talking to you. Go clean your room. Pick up that mess. Stop biting the dog. You know, all these things. And then you get a little higher. You get around 13, 14. And we should then begin to talk to you like this sometimes. Right? I mean, sometimes here, because you're still a child, but, you know, as you're getting to be an adult, we should talk to you across, right? Like you're an adult. We're raising you as adults, right? We're trying to get you to be adulthood. How many are over 15? Look at that. Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with your parents asking the questions in the Bible studies, and it's nothing wrong with them driving you to, to church. But you are part of the church. You are a member of the body of Christ. You, each and every individual one of you who have believed in the Lord Jesus and have been baptized, you are in covenant with God and you belong to Him. And that is a fabulous thing. That is so very awesome. Are you kidding me? That you and I belong to the creator of all the universe, the one who is the most powerful and is all present and loves us. You and I are in covenant. And these are our people right here. And the way we speak, and the way we think, and the way we act is based on the fact that we now belong. We are insiders. We are not outsiders anymore. If we really got what I'm talking about, if we really fully understood it, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? We'd probably take some lighter fluid, put it on our head, light our hair on fire, and run down the road here screaming in ecstasy because it is so very amazing to belong to God. Or we can sing those songs. One or the other. Right? We can do that too. So I met with her and I told her that this is what was going on. The reason you're so angry at your parents is because they took you away from your people they came in and they pulled you out of your church. And now you're left going to this one. Now you're part of this family and you can't go anywhere. You can't be with those people that you, you grew to love and care about. That's your problem. And, and I said to her, if you had always acted like you were in covenant, if you really believed that, then they would not have been contagious. You would have infected them with the glory of the gospel lived out. That's what would have happened. You wouldn't have changed. They would have started changing. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't that where we want to be? Was she happy? When she wasn't happy there. But she had gotten to the point where her faith was her parents' faith. Her church was her, her parents' church, and she had finally found her own place. And i got to tell you this, and I... This is one of those things you hear. And you might remember the rest of your life in a bad way. I hope no one here remembers this in a bad way. But if you are passive in your faith and you don't act like you're in covenants, then you will find another church, another people, and you'll remember you heard that here. And I don't want that for you. Who wants that for themselves? All right, good. So we talked. I told her that the reason that she's in covenant with God is because God loved her so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his perfect son, to die for her. The only way she could get into be in the covenant with God was her sins had to be paid for. She knew this. I mean, we all know that. Am I telling you anything new? You know this, don't you? And so I said, this is how much God loves you. It is a love thing. God loves you, and he wants you to be with him, and he wants you to live for him. And this is who you are, and this is your identity. I told her also that everyone that is in covenant with God, God's intention is to bless that person. That God wants to bless. All through the Bible, God is ready to bless, wanting to bless, looking to bless. What does bless mean? Who cares about bless, right? What is bless? Well, bless means that you're fulfilled, that you have peace, that you're happy, that you have joy, that you have confidence, that you know who you are. It's all of these things and more. It means that God's face is turned toward you and shining toward you and that, that, that is the state that we all want to be in. That's what bless means. It also means that God hears your prayers, that he's always present in your life. And that while you're out here, or over here, or when you're at home, or in your front of your computer, or when you're over here with some friends, or whatever you're doing, God is always there. And every Christian that loves God is glad that God is there. They're very happy that God knows every word that they're speaking, and every thought that they're thinking, and every motive of their heart. They are happy and glad that God is there. That's what it means to be in covenants. I mean, is there anyone in your life that you wish you could spend so much time with a really good friend you love hanging out 
someone you can speak your mind to. You can share your dreams. You can tell them your pain and your problems. Well, imagine if you thought that way, and I thought that way about God all the time. Wouldn't that be fabulous? But that's what it means to be in covenant. Now, can anyone tell me someone that they know, they've heard about, read about, heard sermons about, that God made covenant with? Yes. David. David right. Who else? Abraham. You were going to say Abraham. Yes. Adam. That's right. Extra points. Moses, that's right. Noah, right. Well, what happened when God made covenant with Abraham? Right after that, what happened? Yes, everyone says that. You're right. Did you hear him? He broke the covenant. He doubted it. What about that time that he saddled up Abraham? And Lot had been taken captive by some kings. And Abraham was outnumbered and he took everyone and got swords and went out and beat the other army and then ran into Melchizedek, who was the, 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 the priest of the high God, and gave uh, Melchizedek the tithes off of the spoils of war. And then Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. Yeah, that's really cool, isn't it? Bread and wine, it's way back there. Was that breaking covenant? That was kicking butt and taking names. That's what that was. And that was God blessing him through Melchizedek, right? That was a high point. What about, what about the time when um, Abraham, or Abram, he wasn't Ham yet, he was Abram, Abram and Sarai, we're going to Egypt, and Abraham said to Sarah, Hey, just tell everyone you're my sister. Was she his sister? She was. She was a sister, sort of, but she was also what? And that's why he didn't want anyone to know that she was his wife. Was that, was that like a Melchizedek? moment no it wasn't a Melchizedek but then he also gave into his wife's words her wishes her pressure and he went into Hagar and slept with Hagar and had Ishmael was that a call call tell everyone you're my sister moment was that worse than call everyone your, my sister moment? I think it was worse than call everyone my, your my sister moment. It wasn't near like the Melchizedek thing, was it? And so Abraham, yes, after God made covenant with Abraham, he broke covenant, but he also kept covenant. And he also, for what we have that is recorded, he also was in that wishy-washy kind of mode, that compromise kind of mode, right? But the significance of being in covenant is this. 
that what we really have after God makes covenant with Abraham and David and Adam and, and Noah is we have their story. Here it is right here. You can read it. Let's read part of it. In Genesis chapter 12, God shows up and he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You, Abraham, Abram, you will be contagious. You will rock their world. They will not rock your world. You will rock their world. Okay? I mean, that's just my commentary. It's not actually in Genesis chapter 12. Here's the next verse. So, Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him. All right, now you get this. God's making covenant with Abraham. God tells Abraham something to do. What does Abraham do? This is not a trick question. He says, get out. What did he do? He got out, right? God said, leave. What did he do? He left. That's fabulous, isn't it? So simple. No mystery here. Are you cold with that fan blowing on you? I'm talking to you. Okay, because you're like this. Are you nervous because you're sitting up here real close to me? Does this make you more nervous? <laughs> he was told what to do, and he did it. And why? Because God just hated him. Wanted to ruin his life. Wanted to mess up his program, right? Was that why God told him to leave? I hear blessing. I hear that I want to use you to change the world. That's what I hear. And there are going to be people out there that don't want to change, and they're going to curse you. And you know what, Abraham? I'm going to curse them. I got your back, Abraham. I'm with you all the way, even until the end of the age, basically is what he's saying. I will bless you. And so Abraham leaves, and let's see where he goes. Abraham departed his Lord spoken to him, and, Lord, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham, Abram, sorry, took Sarah's wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they gathered, listen carefully, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Tenebareth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Listen to this. What happened next? And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. Did you get it? Did you see what happened? 
what happened was that God met with Abraham. We don't have the day. Let's say Sunday. He met Abram on Sunday, and Abram traveled, and we got to a place that he stopped. What did he do? He built an altar. And then when he left that place and moved somewhere else, what did he do? He built an altar. Now here's the question. Do you think that once Abraham got to the place where he was going to stay, he uh, started gathering firewood and he said, we'll put the tent over there and we'll, uh, we'll put the animals over there and, uh, oh, hey, let's build an altar. Do you think that's how he did it? Or do you think that he was thinking about God since God had met with him, ever since that time God met with him? You see, I think that if God showed up on Sunday and talked to Abraham, I think that Abraham never forgot that. And I think that Abraham was worshiping God before he ever built the altar. Because worship comes from the same root word as worth. And God was worth to Abraham. He was worth his attention. He was worth his allegiance. He, God had already done so very much for Abraham and more to come that all he wanted to do was think about God and consider God as his great benefactor and protector and the one who cares about him and loves him and had given him not only a great present, but given him a great future too. He was a worshiper of God. He kept on thinking about that. So if God met Abram on Sunday, and you know this is just basic, this is just simple, but this is enough to change your life and my life for the rest of our lives. He didn't forget God on Monday. He didn't forget God on Tuesday. He knew who he belonged to. He knew who had called him. He knew who was providing for him. He knew who was speaking to him. And so when Tuesday rolled around, he was still thinking about God. And when Wednesday came around, he was still thinking about God. You see, because when we get serious about our Christianity, it is going to be incredibly simple. Here's how it's going to be. You go to church on Monday. You hear God speak to you from his word because he is not just talking to your parents. He's talking to his people, and you are his people. And when he's talking to you, and Monday comes around, when you get up in the morning... What's it going to be like? What's Monday going to be like for you? Before lunch, what, what is Monday going to look like? You being in covenant with God. Are you going to be happy about that? Are you going to be choosing your words? Are you going to be reacting? Are you going to allow the day to just unfold or unravel? Whatever happens, happens. Whatever's going to come up, 
comes up, or are you going to be proactive and not passive? Are you going to be hearing what God says, and is it going to change the way that you spend your time, spend your money, spend your life? What's Tuesday going to be like? Is Tuesday going to be any different at all because you're a child of God and he is your father and he has made covenant with you? Is that going to make any difference in your life on Wednesday nights? And if it is, how is it going to? How is it going to interrupt your present schedule and change your present dreams? How is it going to affect the way you relate to your brothers and sisters, honor your mother and father, and make choices. This mom tells me, our son has met a young woman. Guys, that will mess you up. <laughs> He's met a young woman. And now he's he's not he's not 18 yet. And now all he wants is to get a job and to work and he's been in love with this girl for, you know, a long time. Like 3 months. <laughs> and that's why yeah, you laugh. But man, girls will mess you up. And guys will mess you up. But he isn't listening to his dad, and he's not listening to his mom, and he's fighting against them. And he wants he wants to he wants to work hard and get a, get a job, and you know forget school, forget everything else. And he wants to he wants to be with this young woman. He wants to move to marriage as quickly as he can. He is Twitter pated. That's a Greek word for And I mean he is on he's a man on a mission. And she said this train has to stop. It has to stop. You know what she means by train, don't you? Like, you know, the drive to to work and to not listen to your parents. You know, your mom and dad don't know anything now because you're in love and you want this person and, and, and you know, it is, it is, it is powerful. It is. If you've never been there, it is powerful. And we're not saying anything about his character, really, except he's not listening to his mom and dad like he should and he's just really <clears throat> into this. And we're not saying anything about her character. She might be a lovely Christian woman, you know. You are all becoming adults and you all want to be with somebody and that's okay. But this is a runaway train at this point in this guy's life. Should God factor into this at all? If you're in covenant? Should God be part of this? Well, what does God say? See, here's covenant. We're all under covenant. 
but we're also under something else. We're also under context. And his context is he's still in his mom and dad's home. He's still under age. And he's not the first person in the world that's fallen in love. And so, does the Bible speak directly to anyone that is in covenant with God and is in the context of still being in their parents' home? Does God have anything to say about that? This train is going to go off the tracks. His parents could stop it. How could they stop it? Any suggestions? Yes. All right. Another. I think she had it. Just went out of her head when I got too close. How could how could her parent his parents stop this? Yes. Take his car. What'd she say, Charles? Stop. They could make her stop seeing. Tell him no. Tell him no. Take his car away. What else? You got one? Yes. Encourage him to be patient. They're trying. Yes. Pray for him? Sure, absolutely. What could the pastor do to stop this train? Yes. Refuse to marry them. Okay, yeah. Okay. Charles, what did she say? Excommunicated. Anyone else? So, so the parents and the pastor. Who needs to stop this train? He does. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a wreck. The way you've said the parents can do that, and the parents can do other things too. I'm a parent. Uh, yeah. And I'm also a pastor. Uh, wow. So, you know, <laughs> double whammy. I could do both. Um, and I'm, and I'm alright. But, but, you know, here you're trying to, and you, and there are ways, you know, and it's going to be a wreck, and then you're going to see what the wreckage is like, and see what, if there's any survivors here. But, she is right. The best person to stop this is him. But see, when you're not listening to God, whom you're in covenant with, and you allow your desires to overtake you, or you allow another people group to welcome you in, and you you, you accept and you adopt their speech and their motivations and their practices and their thinking. God wants us to have a great story. This young man's story, not so good right now. I hope it turns out you can be praying for him. The young woman who I met with, doing very well. She gets it. I gave her this very same speech, but I wasn't wearing a mic. Abraham, if he would have listened to God and remembered he was in covenant with God the whole time, imagine all those compromising situations and those really dreadful things that he got in, into. 
it have been a different story, wouldn't it? A very different story. And so when I ask you what your Monday is going to be like and what your Tuesday is going to be like and what your Thursday night is going to be like, what I'm asking you is this. If your life were a story in the Bible, and that's why God has given us the stories in the Bible as examples, if your life was recorded as a story in the Bible, what kind of story are you writing? Because you're writing a story five minutes after I get off this microphone. You're writing a story the rest of this evening. You're writing a story beginning next another chapter in the morning. You're writing a story. And God wants your story to be epic. He wants your story to be one of resolution, of great love and appreciation and gratitude toward Him, of trust and faith that overrides all of your desires and, and keeps you when you're challenged by other people groups. You are the sons and daughters of light. You are the royal priesthood, not just your parents. You are the chosen generation. You are his own special people. You are. You are. And I don't care what your background is. You're called to do this if you're in a prison. You're called to do this if your backstory is one that you're not proud of. It doesn't matter who your parents are or what you've gone through or those secrets no one knows about. This is who you are and you belong to God. You are in covenant with Him. And He's calling for story. He's calling for lives that are magnificent and uncompromising of people who cannot be bought, that are above purchase, that stand out so much that we are described as a city set on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. I sat where you sat. I've been where you are. I know a lot of what you're going through and what you're thinking and what's ahead of you. And I so wish when I was your age someone would have said the very same things to me. So I say these things because I love you. But more importantly, I didn't come tonight with my own message. I think I'm being very faithful to the Word. What I'm really telling you is that God loves you. You're His. It cost Jesus His life. And He wants you to find your life and write your story in the only way you can. And that is to lose your life for Him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the moment and time that we have here. And help us to Your glory and our great benefit and pleasure. 
to be normal no more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.